Well, good morning, everyone. <laughs> um, thank you for being here. Thank you to everyone that's out in the lobby. Thank you to everyone that's watching from home. And thank you for choosing to, to worship with us in whatever form that's taken. You know, it's, it is hard. I um, Please feel some empathy for me, right? We'll have a little sympathy moment for the, for the poor little pastor. But, I mean, it's hard coming, coming into a culture like this and um, taking on leadership there's an election, there's COVID, there's protests. It's scary trying to figure out how to honor you, how to honor the government, how to honor the Bible, and all of it. And so I just really appreciate the grace that everyone's extending, because we're all trying to figure out how to navigate this. Um, and, and it's tough. Like, no, no one says it's easy. Like, most of us don't like it. I think we're united in our dislike of this season. But, um, you know, I, just some of the things I've been thinking about this week with the, with the order coming out, um, and just the restrictions, I mean, I, I actually feel worse about the restrictions for Thanksgiving than I do about the restrictions for a Sunday service. So if, if you need some communion for Thanksgiving, we will, no. <laughs> we can give you some communion. You can have a church service at your home and Thanksgiving. I'm, I'm joking, making light. But, um, but no, like honestly, as, as I've been thinking, I, I find myself thinking through the lens of friends of mine around the world. Um, and one of the things that's been on my heart a lot yesterday and today was, you know, I hate having to wear a mask. Um, it is uncomfortable. I hate that we can't serve tea and coffee because it's just part of hospitality. Um, I, don't, I don't like it, um, but it's, a, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's not pleasant. But, but I've been thinking about some of my friends back at home. I was listening to uh, the Worship 24-7 radio station. Um, they have partners that they support called India Partners. And one of the things yesterday that came up in between songs was um, a 14-year-old boy in India who was brutally beaten to death recently because he was sharing the gospel with people in his community. And I'm just like, if people are willing to risk their life to share the gospel, I can cope with a mask and no tea and coffee this week. Um, and, and so it's just, just one of those perspective shifts for me. Like, I don't like what's happening. I don't like what they're doing, but they can't quench our worship. They can put a mask on us, but they can't stop us worshiping Jesus. They can restrict us from gathering, but they can't stop us proclaiming the gospel. Um, and so I just I want to keep that in mind because I don't like it, you don't like it, um, but we are doing our best to try and honor what the government is asking us to do while knowing that they're not the ultimate authority. Um, and the other part that's hard, which, which when we think about our community is, what would I like when we gather together? One of the things that we've got to keep holding before ourselves is the people out there. What are they thinking as they interact with us? So if some stranger walks in the door today, um, what would their interaction with us be? And so, so I want to err on the side of loving hospitality and protecting them um, in the hopes that they're going to walk in our door. Um, and then we can lead them towards Jesus through that process. So I just, I appreciate the grace. It's not easy. Um, but we are trusting that God is going to sort this. We're going to be through this. Um, and we can be back to worshiping all together, faces unmasked, and, and go crazy. So, so just, just, just thank you for the grace that you're extending as we try and navigate all of this. Um, that aside, bleh, that's the horrible stuff. Um, let's get back to what is really important. And so, you know, we are 10 weeks into our first series together. And I'm just like, how did 10 weeks pass already? It's insane. 
We're already here. I remember looking at the front of it going, oh, man, that's going to take us up to Advent, really? Uh, and, and here we are, right on the brink of Advent. So, so it's awesome. But, but just as a reminder, we're coming into this last message. Just as a reminder, why are we preaching this series? Um, so we're looking through the prayers of Paul to, to get a glimpse of who we're supposed to be as a church. So Paul, again, was this man who was given a unique understanding, unique revelation about what the, the church was going to look like as it spread out of Jerusalem and into the Gentile world. So he had this very unique idea of what the church was supposed to be. Um, he says he was given the administration of the mystery of how this was supposed to unfold in the world. So Paul's heart, as he prays, helps us understand who we're supposed to be as the church. Um, the other side of it, and, and that's important as we're trying to figure out who we are as Alliance Bible Church. So we're figuring out what was the church supposed to be? How do we live that out? The other side of it is how do we pray for the church? And so this is a, a set of tools as we look at Paul's letters that are training us on how we can better pray uh, for our church, for our own lives, for this community, for the church in Portland, for the church around the world. Um, and so all of this is trying to help us see who is the church, how do we pray for the church, knowing that that's going to have this transformative work in our life. So today, we're going to look at the last of Paul's prayers in 2 Thessalonians. Um, so this is the end of chapter 2 into the beginning of chapter 3. Um, and as we look at the order our Bible is written in, the letters are written in order from longest to shortest in Paul's letters. So this is the last one that we have in order. But in actual fact, Paul probably wrote the Corinthian letters, the, the Thessalonian letters first. So this would have been one of the first prayers that, that he would have prayed over the church. So I, I just think that's interesting. Um, but let's look at this um, prayer that Paul prays over the church at Thessaloniki. Um, so this is um, 2 Thessalonians, not chapter 3, but chapter 2, starting in verse 16. So he writes, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, may he encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Pay attention, both deeds and words. He's, he's, this has been a theme all the way through. As it goes on into chapter 3, As for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and into Christ's perseverance. So, I mean, this is an amazing prayer. We're going to look at three elements of this prayer. The prayer that the gospel would spread rapidly, the prayer that we would be protected from evil, and, and the prayer that we would be directed by God. So we're going to look at these three. Um, but before we go there, just, just this first prayer point, um, that, I'll, just, I'll just say what it says. Pray that we would share God's message boldly and effectively. Let me look at the text, and, the, and then I'll say what I want to say. I want to get the Bible up here. Um, so he writes, may, may our Lord Jesus give, encur uh, 
Encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. And then he says, pray for us that the message of the Lord would spread rapidly and be honored. So I'm taking that and applying it to us as a church. So this is why I invite you to pray over our church. Pray that we would share God's message boldly and effectively. So in the series that we've done so far, I mean, lots of elements are both internal and external. It's about what's going on inside our life. It's about what our actions look like in in the world. But most of the prayers have really focused inside the church, who we are inside, what's happening in our hearts, in our lives. This this prayer, which seems like a fitting end to the series, really compels us outwardly as we take the gospel to the nations round about us, to the people groups that are round about us. So this, this prayer here, that we would share God's message effectively and boldly, is the mission of the church. God gave the church to, like, our job, our mandate is to go make disciples. It's to reach the world uh, in partnership with him. So this command that we share the gospel boldly and effectively is the mission that we're supposed to be walking in. Everything that we do is supposed to point back to this part of sharing the gospel so that people come into a knowledge of him and into relationship with him. Um, But it's so easy to get fixated on the the role of the church. The purpose of the church is that we gather and we worship. Or the role of the church is we come together and we learn what the Bible says. Or the role of the church is we get out there and we serve the community. But, But we've got to remember that the core of everything we're doing as a church, why do we gather? So that we can be equipped and sent out to share the good news boldly and effectively in the world. We can be so guilty of, as fallen human beings who are being redeemed by Jesus, we can be so guilty of hoarding the blessings that God gives us. So we, we love Jesus, we want to come together and we want to celebrate who he is together and we're going to keep it to ourselves. We love the Bible, so we're going to gather and we're going to study it and we're going to get all this truth and we're going to do it for ourselves. I mean, I love it when I read the Bible and I'm feeling anxious and I get peace. I love it when I'm reading the Bible and I feel despair and I get hope. I love it that his word ministers to me and ministers to us, but as Christians, we're not called to hoard the blessings that God gives us. We're called to be distributors generously of the blessings that he pours out over us. So when you go back to the beginning and you see God put Adam and Eve in the garden, and he places them there and he gives them everything, intimacy with him, all, the, the, all of creation that, that's there, don't eat from that one tree, but everything else is yours. But he doesn't say, and we're just going to live together like this forever. He says, be fruitful and multiply. Like, spread this. Subdue the earth. Like, you're going to take this and spread this out around the world. When you think about Abraham, um, God's call to Abraham, it says God calls him and is going to bless him. Uh, uh, But he doesn't say, and all those blessings are going to be for you. He says, all nations will be blessed through you. So I'm going to bless you that you can then go out and bless the world. And then with the church, he gives us all of these resources, the intimacy with him, his love poured into our hearts, the supernatural empowerment of the Holy Spirit, all of the gifts, the riches, the money, the time, the talents. He gives it all to us, not so that we can gather in a holy huddle and have a fun time together as the church, We're allowed to do that, but all for the purpose of getting out there and distributing those blessings into the world and reaching people in the name of Jesus. Um, So we need to always be remembering as we gather, my, my friend in India, Rufus, he always says, we gather to scatter and we scatter to gather. 
That's this phrase. We gather to scatter, we scatter together. So when we gather together, it's for the purpose of scattering out there so that we can further share his message. So, so this prayer is, is probably, of all the things we're praying, perhaps the most important as we walk into this new season as a church. Pray that we would share God's message boldly and effectively. And I'm very purposeful in choosing those two words. They're not in the passage. You can, they're kind of implied in there. But one of the biggest issues when it comes to how do you evangelize, how do you share the message, one of the biggest things that, that, that we encounter is fear. Like, if I go out there, is it going to be received? If I talk to my friend, are they going to reject me? Um, in parts of the world, if I go do this, am I actually going to be persecuted and lose my life? So fear becomes a big obstacle to us sharing the gospel. So we choose the word boldly, that we would share God's message boldly because we need God's supernatural empowerment to overcome our fear and send us out with the truth into the lives of the people around about us. Um, I choose the word effectively because the other thing that I hear when it comes to how do I share the gospel with someone is often, I don't know how to. I don't know how to share the gospel. I don't know how to bring it up in a conversation. Uh, I don't know the answers. They're asking me questions. I don't have the answers. I'm not an apologist. I don't know how to do this. And so we wrestle with feeling ineffective, feeling ill-equipped. So we need to pray that as a church, we would grow in effectiveness, that we would gain the tools necessary to be able to share the gospel effectively with the people around about us. When I started this series, one of the things that I said in the first couple of messages was, when it comes to prayer, one of the reasons we stagnate and struggle in prayer is because we have a narrow view of what prayer is, and we don't have enough tools in our toolbox to help us fuel our prayer life. And so we have our one little view, I get my shopping list, I sit in a room, and I list my things to God, and that's all prayer is. And then that gets old. And so you have to figure out new ways to engage with the Lord, and it revitalizes your prayer life. Well, that principle is exactly the same when it comes to evangelism. Most often, our inability to evangelize is because we have a very narrow view of what evangelism is, and we don't have enough tools in our toolbox to be able to equip us to take the gospel to the people around about us. Um, and so part of what we need to do as we walk into 2021 is spend time looking at what are some of the tools that we need in our toolbox to make us more effective at sharing God's message with the people around about us. And there are some amazing resources that are out there that we can use and partner with to help in the process of sharing that gospel. Um, there's a, there's a phrase or, or, or a saying that I really like, and I heard it somewhere. I don't know if I read it or if I heard it, and I've probably adapted it, but I stuck it in Google to try and work out who I've stolen it from, and I can't find it. Um, so I want to say, like, this concept I stole from someone else, but, but I, can, I can't quote them. But, but this, is, this is the phrase that I sit with a lot. When the Word of God and the Spirit of God collide you could put in brackets, in a person, transformation happens. When the Word of God and the Spirit of God collide inside a person or in a situation, transformation happens. So when Paul is praying this prayer that we would share God's message boldly and effectively, we can't separate it from his invitation that we would pray for it. So he's saying there's a role that gets played in going out there and taking the message and speaking it, but there's a role that prayer does in making that message be received. And what happens is we, we declare the word of God, 
We use our, our mouths as we go out there in our actions and we declare God's word, but prayer is the activity that we do that activates the Holy Spirit in someone else's life. So as we pray, God is stirring in someone's life and he's taking that word and carrying it to the deep places of their heart so that it's transformative. So if we want to see God's word transform the world around about us, then we have to be praying that that message would spread rapidly and be honored and accepted by the people around about us. So we have a huge uh, responsibility placed on our shoulders to carry the gospel message throughout the world um, but we can do it from right here as we turn our heart in prayer and invite God to be tilling that soil in the world around about us. Um, I want this to be a church where the, the Word of God and the Spirit of God are colliding every time we gather that it's colliding inside of us as we engage with the scriptures, that it's colliding in us as we gather to pray, that as we gather like this corporately to worship and learn together, that the spirit and the word would be clashing inside of us, displacing the lies, challenging our broken mechanisms, and sending us out into the world a little bit more like Jesus. So this prayer that we would share his message boldly and effectively, knowing that he is the one that supernaturally empowers us to make this happen. So it doesn't matter if you're seven years old or 70 years old. It doesn't matter if you didn't even graduate elementary school or you have double doctorates. God's supernatural empowerment can enable you to be an effective mouthpiece of his, sharing the gospel in people's lives and seeing his spirit move to bring the transformation that he wants. Um, one of the big misconceptions with evangelism, and it's, it's kind of like just through, there are eras in church history where uh, the way we minister and the way we gather take different forms to meet the needs in the culture. But one of the issues that we're dealing with now is when we think of the word evangelism, often it has like really icky connotations, like, ugh, I don't like it, I don't want to do it, it's really difficult. And we see it as a command that we're told to go out there and do, and we feel guilty that we don't do it enough. But, but it's actually, we need to reframe it because evangelism is really an invitation to join with Jesus in the work that he's doing. It's an invitation to allow him to give you the words to speak into someone else's life. It's the invitation that he says, hey, in this person's life right now, I'm working on their fear. Would you speak a message of peace into their life on my behalf? Um, but we've turned it into this horrible, confrontational, awkward, run up to a stranger, confront them with the gospel, smack them with the Bible. Uh, it didn't work, and I don't like it, and they rejected me. Um, but it's an invitation into relationship. It's everything we've been talking about. It's an invitation to be attentive to what God is doing around about us. It's an invitation to pay attention to where the fingerprints of God are evident in someone's life. And it's an invitation to just say, okay, God, I'm ready. I'll happily speak what you want to speak in the moment that it comes up. Um, and, and so we need to begin to reframe this command to go out there and confront people in evangelism with the invitation to respond to what God is doing in the moment and allow him to work through us in a way that's gonna lead people closer to him. A few years ago, I read a book by Mark Mittelberg that's called Becoming a Contagious Christian. Uh, and it was really the first time my view of evangelism was, was kind of shaken up a little bit. 
And in this book, he outlines what he calls six styles of evangelism. And I think it's really helpful in broadening our understanding of what evangelism is and making it more accessible to more of us. So he describes the first style, he calls it direct or confrontational evangelism. This is where you, uh, in some senses, go up to a stranger and you use the opportunity to engage them and share the biblical truths. Um, and, and we're using confrontational, he, they call it confrontational. I like the word direct because it doesn't sound so aggressive. Um, but this is also those moments when you're talking with a friend and, and you're exhorting, like, that is sin issue in your life. This is what the Bible speaks about it. Let's di- directly address the issues that are there. Now, sadly, in, in, in the culture that I grew up in and what I see here is this is basically the only form of evangelism that we usually talk about or teach on. So we're going to bring an instructor in and they're going to teach you how to go out and walk up to someone you don't know and boldly share the gospel. Now, that is awesome, and it's really important, and, and you, you read the Acts and, and the New Testament letters. I mean, that's a lot of what Paul is doing is walking up and, and boldly declaring what God is doing. So we need that. But if that's the only way we view evangelism, then we're, gonna, we're not going to engage in it um, because for many people, that's scary. Uh, and we're in a church where people don't like conflict, So walking up and confronting someone with the gospel is not our forte. (laughs) Um, But but he lists some other ways that that evangelism can happen. One style he calls the intellectual style. This is the whole apologetics. This is debate. This is where you you have a bunch of people that gather in a pub and they just start debating different philosophies, theologies, arguing over it. This is getting in a coffee shop with someone that you know has fundamental oppositions to the gospel and you're studying um, their scriptures you're studying uh, evolution, you're studying uh, the philosophy that they walk into, and then you're giving them answers from Scripture and from theologians that confront and challenge in an intellectual way. Not everyone is designed that way. Not everyone loves that. Some people, this is the thing that, that they just delight in. And the testimonial style is another one that we're more familiar with, where I'm sharing the testimony of what God has done in my life. But we've reduced testimony to, let me tell you the event that happened 87 years ago where I gave my life to Jesus. And I grew up in the church, and then I gave my life to Jesus. And that's good, and that's important, but testimony is more than that. Yes, it's the story of how God originally rescued you from darkness into light, but testimony is also the story of how today God brought you out of darkness and into light. It's the story of yesterday, how he helped you resolve a conflict, how he gave you peace in the middle of your anxiety, how he provided in the moment of your need. And so the testimonial style is about being attentive to the ways that God is working in you, to the comfort and consolation that he is giving to you so that you can then offer that to the people around about. So this, the testimonial style, is when we take from our life the story of what God is doing and we share it in a way that comforts and assists the people around about us. Um, The interpersonal style, I like that name. you, You could put in this category what some people like to call friendship evangelism. This is building relationships over the long haul for the purpose of sharing the gospel. Um, one of the problems with quote-unquote friendship evangelism is we build the friendship and we never share the gospel. <laughs> and so then it's not friendship evangelism, it's friendship. <laughs> um, and, and, and so we need to, to be bolder 
and more effective at how in those long relationships we're building, we continue to be effective at sharing the truth that God wants to give us. Um, the invitational style is, I mean, there are some people in this church that are fantastic at this. Some of the new people that have been coming are modeling this really well, but it's, I just want to invite you into my life. One of the, one of the articles I was reading called, called this being the Martha Stewart of evangelism. Like, let me throw on a big feast and bring you into my house and be hospitable and, and just love you in my presence. Let me invite you to this concert I'm going to. We're going on a mission trip. Come with us. We're going on holiday. Come do this. We're throwing a party. Come join us. And you just invite people into the fun things that you're doing. Hey, I go to church. Come with me. Come, come check out this church that I'm a part of. This invitational style where you're just drawing people in to the things that you're doing. And, and lastly, serving. The servant style of evangelism when we're out there quietly, often in the background, sacrificially given time and energy in order to help the needs of other people. And these are all forms of evangelism that all have the end of sharing the message that, that God wants us to share. Um, if you went onto a website like InterVarsity's website, they would give you nine styles of evangelism. And they would include things like power evangelism. Like you, you go out there and you're praying for people that they would encounter the supernatural working of God, healing, speaking, ministering, uh, so that you, you have an opportunity then to share the gospel. You've got creative evangelism. Those people out there who are masters of storytelling, who are making movies that carry the gospel message so that you can watch them and be transformed. People who are artists who are drawing and designing, putting up displays as you walk through them, they point to the glory of Jesus. Um, and so there are so many ways to engage in sharing the message of Jesus. We've got to broaden it from just get in a room and whack someone with the Bible, but we can't stop doing that because that's an essential part of evangelism. So if you want to engage in confrontational or direct evangelism, the seeds are sown through the service and through the friendship that is happening. If you want to be a part of uh, interpersonal evangelism and you're out there building relationships, you need someone who is confrontational, who can come in and take it to the next level as they share the truth. We need each other. Um, and so what we do in the church is we say evangelism is one gift, service is a different one. Like... So, so, so we'll separate those out. Administration's a different one. What if administration is a method of evangelism? What if service is a method of evangelism? What if the gift that God has given you is supposed to be evangelistic? It is. <laughs> so that we're using the fullness of the gifts to carry the message forward. One more word I want to draw attention to in, in this, uh, this whole point Pray that we would share God's message effectively. When you read the passage, it says, pray that the message of the Lord would spread rapidly. The word for message is the word logos. It's the word we're familiar with that we usually translate as the word. So he's literally saying, pray that the word of God would spread rapidly. However, the word has to convey a message. So if we're out there, like if you think about Paul writing to the Thessalonian church, they have the Old Testament. They don't have the New Testament. They don't have Paul's letters in Scripture. He's not saying, here's 2 Thessalonians, memorize it, pull it apart, and then use this to go tell your neighbors about Jesus. So what he's saying is, understand the, the Bible, understand the truth of God. It's essential. Um, that's the foundation for everything. That's the message we're sharing. But then we also have to be attentive to the other ways God wants to speak through us into the life of someone else. 
So as you're sitting there and, and someone is talking and God is highlighting a crippling fear, like right now in COVID, if God is highlighting, they've got this crippling fear, we have the God of peace. So as God is, is highlighting this fear, you can say, you know, I used to feel that kind of fear, but God has given me this peace. Let me talk to you about the kind of peace that he can offer. And, and so now you're taking a message. It's, it's based on the biblical truth. It's based on what he's revealing in the moment. It's based on the wisdom he's put inside of you. And then you're offering it to the person, knowing that that will bear fruit as the Spirit takes it and penetrates it into the deep places of their heart. We want to be people who are active as a church in sharing God's message. I don't want to be a church that grows because a bunch of people leave the other churches round about and decide this is a fun place to be for now. Um, that's part of growth, and, and that's one of the ways God brings in gifts that we're lacking and vision that we need. I want to be a church that grows because God is stirring in the lives of people that don't know Him and calling them from darkness into the light and bringing them here and seeing them transform. And I'm looking forward to a day when that baptismal right there is in constant flow because people are coming to know Him. Amen, Dan. <laughs> You're such a huge encouragement and challenger of all of this, about what this needs to look like. Um, so, the prayer is that we would share God's message boldly and effectively. So, the question becomes, what is the message that you are sharing? Because here's the deal. Every one of us, every moment of every day, are sharing a message. Our words our actions, our attitude is sharing a message and conveying a message to the people around about you. So what is the message that you're conveying? If you were to look on your Facebook feed and read down all the things that you're posting, what is the message that you're conveying to the world? If you think about when you gather with your family, the typical conversations that you come back to, what's the dominant message that you're sharing? Are you sharing God's message or are you sharing the world's message? Are you sharing biblical truth and hope, or are you sharing something else? Um, and so we've got to be evaluating ourselves. I, I, I threw in right at the beginning when, when he's talking just before this, at the end of chapter 2, he says, May God encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word, because every deed and every word is contributing to the message that we're sharing. So it's an invitation to evaluate your life, your family's life, our church's life, by our actions and our attitudes, what is the message that we're communicating? Let's pray that we share his message and that we share it boldly and effectively. So on into the second point here. The second point flows right out of this prayer request that Paul is giving. He, he, he's praying, pray that this message is going to go forth. Pray that we be bold and effective as we're out there in the world. And then it's pray that we would be protected from evil. Um, the words, pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not everyone has faith, but the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. This is a prayer that should remind us of the Lord's prayer. I butchered it first service. I tried to say it quickly, and I was like, I said the Lord's prayer my whole life and can't remember. Our Father who lives in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Everything we need, give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but what? Deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So, so Paul is, is, is 
inviting this prayer that we would be delivered from wicked and evil people, that we would be protected from the evil one. Like, he got that from Jesus. <laughs> this is the prayer that Jesus instructs us in. But, but here's the interesting thing. When you look at the Lord's Prayer, it says, lead us not into temptation. So don't put me in the place where I'm going to do evil but deliver us from the evil that may be inflicted on me by the world round about. So when Paul is praying, he's not saying, let's pray that we're not led into temptation. At this point, he's not talking about our personal morality. He's talking about the danger that exists out there as we take the provocative word of God into the society round about us. Um, and there are people in places all over the world, there are people imprisoned right now around the world because they've been sharing the gospel. There are people losing their lives today because they're sharing the gospel. So Paul knows that when we take the gospel truth out into the world, there's kickback from the world round about us. And we don't need to try and be provocative with our Christianity. The gospel's provocative enough. <laughs> the, the gospel is going to, I don't know what that was. The gospel is going to challenge every broken part of our lives. It's going to confront all the lies and culture. It's going to confront it all. So our job is simply to take the love of Jesus in a way that's provocative to the world round about and watch him do what he does. But as we do that, there's going to be kickback. Um, it's interesting in the wording of, of this part of the prayer, he says, pray that we would be delivered from wicked and evil people. And he uses two different words here. They're synonyms. Um, but it's interesting the nuances that each of them has. So uh, atopos is the first one that's translated wicked. So the word topos is the word for like a, a particular place or location. Um, and you're putting the letter A in front of it, which usually negates. So this is not morally wicked people all over the world that are set against the Lord. This is literally people whose behavior is out of place in what God wants in the world. So, so this is not like people that are antagonistic towards the Lord. This is just people whose life is not being lived the way God wants it to be lived. So this is non-threatening. So in one sense, he's saying protect us from the bad influences out in the world that get it wrong. And then the other word that he's using is poneros, which is the word that means literally like morally corrupt and depraved people. So he's saying both. There are people out in the world who are actively against God and actively against the church. We need to be protected from them because they're going to try and harm the church and harm its witness. But there are also people out in the world that are living in a way that just goes against what God wants, and we want to protect ourselves from that kind of influence um, as, as we're living in the world. And, and then he goes on, protect us from the evil one. It's ultimately not about the world that we live in, but the rulers and principalities and powers and the heavenlies that are the powers of darkness, that's not this war against flesh and blood, but against these demonic entities that are coming against us, ultimately in the person of the devil. And so this is a prayer for us as the church. Like, in some senses, it's a prayer that we would experience the challenges and the difficulties because we're being so bold and effective at sharing the gospel that we need his protection to kick in. And I think for a lot of us, we don't need his protection because we're not really sharing the gospel out there. And so, and so the things that we're standing on, like lots of us get persecution because of our personal things that we stand up for. But are we getting persecution because we're standing up for the fact that Jesus died to save the sins of the world? We've got to ask, are we doing that? Are we bold in that? And then in that process, be asking God to protect us individually, protect our church, protect the church in America as we walk into the world and declare his truth. The final point really is a, it's a summary of what he's saying, but really this is a summary of the entire series that we've been looking at. 
And I think it's a, a fitting thing to be thinking of as we walk into 2021, and it's simply this, pray that we would be directed by God. Paul says, may the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. I want us to be a church that is being directed by him, not by us, not by me, but by him. And, and so Paul, Paul is praying, you know, go out there and share the gospel boldly. Be directed by God and how to share and what to share and when to share. Be directed by God even into hardship and persecution, trusting him that he's going to do his work in the middle of this. Um, be directed by God. So I want us to be a church that is continuing to grow in our ability to be responsive to the direction that he's trying to give us. So are we in the word learning what it says? Are we learning to saturate our lives in the truth of Scripture? Are we learning to listen to him and be attentive to what he's doing in our life and in the people around about us? Are we responsive? Are we trying to implement our own will? Or are we responding to the direction that he's placing in front of us? Um, and it's not just generic direction. Like, look at, look at the, where that direction is. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and into Christ's perseverance. These, these things of, of increasing love and increasing steadfastness and perseverance have been in almost every single one of the prayers that we've been looking at. Like, like this is the core of where we need to be. Our eyes fixed on the love of Jesus. Our lives transformed by encountering his love toward us. And then knowing what that's going to do in the world, that the attempts at the enemy to take us down, the difficulties in the world around about us, we need perseverance. We need, we need to be able to endure in the midst of the difficulties uh, so that he can do the stuff through us that he wants to do. So this is the prayer, that we would be directed. Um, and, and, and these three prayer requests, that, that we would share the message boldly, that we would be protected from evil, that we would be directed by God. I Honestly, I, I, I ask you to pray these for me. Because in the role that I'm stepping into here, like I want to be someone that is active and boldly and effectively sharing the gospel out in the world. This is not a you do that and I, I sit up here and preach. This needs to be true of my life. Um, as I help lead this church forward into the things that God wants us to do, I need protection from the enemy um, as he tries to, to, to come against us and the work that we're doing. And, and, and God is going to move here. And so the enemy's not going to like that, and he's going to want to stop that. And so be praying for me and my family that God would protect us from wickedness, from evil, and from the evil one as we walk forward in this journey together. And then pray that I would be directed by God in my own life, in my devotional life, in my role as a husband, in my role as a parent, in my role as a pastor, as we're seeking what God wants to do here in this community through our church. Pray for me to be directed by God in those endeavors so that we'll end up where He wants us and it's probably going to involve encountering his love and learning to persevere in this world as we communicate that to the people around about us. So um, you have uh, on your table uh, a little handout. You know, we are at the end of the series. And so one way that we can look at this is the series has ended, we're kind of done, let's move on to Advent and on to what's coming next. But this is really just the beginning. We're laying the foundation for what we want to see God do here. And so rather than the homework this week be pray the passage and self-evaluate, the homework this week is take this away and begin the process of praying through this systematically over our church. Like I want through 2021 us to be so familiar with these passages because we're continually asking God to do that in our midst. So there's, there's 30 prayer points here. 
Um, if, you, if you don't like having the, the scripture on the sheet and want something a little more compact, out in the information table is just the 30 points, like bullet pointed out, um, which is, is a little more succinct than that. But let's, let's pray this, knowing that if this is God's heart revealed through Paul, if this is Paul's heart for the churches that he was ministering to, if this is instructive for us in how to pray for the church, then if we pray these things, we are 100% certain that we're praying in line with the will of God and when you're praying in line with the will of God for the things that he wants, then he's going to make them happen. <laughs> um, and, and so let's, let's be praying this through this next year that God would transform our church in these ways. And then let's sit at this point next year celebrating the ways we've seen God answer these things as the gospel goes out through our church into the world and we see people come to know him. So to finish, I want to do what we've been doing. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray to close because it's really clean when Ron's editing the videos because you can just cut it there rather than the thing. So I'm going to pray and close this, and then I'm just going to stand here quietly, and I would love a few people just to join the prayer that the gospel would spread through our church and, and through the world because Paul's saying if we pray this, it's going to happen. So there are people around the world right now sharing the gospel, and God wants our prayers to carry that message into the hearts of people to be transformed. So I'll pray and close. Um, and then a few people, if you could pray, and then we'll finish with our, with our last worship song. So let's pray. God, you are real. <laughs> you created the world. Your word is true. You sent Jesus to rescue us. The church is your instrument and his instrument for reaching the world. So help us to be the kind of church that you need to rescue people from darkness and into the kingdom of the son that you love. God, I pray for us as a church that we would become more bold and more effective at sharing your message. God, help us to saturate ourselves in your truth. Help it to change us and, and send us out into the world. God, help us as a, as a group to, to learn the skills that we need to be more effective at handling your truth so that we can present it uh, in ways that, that complement your work and don't hinder the work that you're trying to do in the world. God, as I think about who is most effective at evangelism, the, the people that are most effective at evangelism are the people whose hearts are most oriented towards you. Um, whether that's a new believer or someone that's been walking with you for 50 years, Lord, when our heart is fully turned to you, you pour out of us. So make us a church uh, who are so fired up for you uh, that your truth pours out of our mouths. God, would you protect us from, from the, the enemy and his schemes as we move forward? Lord, you are moving here and you will continue to move. Lord, there are new people that are going to come. There are salvations that are going to happen. There's transformation that will happen in the neighborhood around this church because of what you're doing here. And so, God, we say, would you protect us from the enemy and his attacks? Because he's going to come and he's going to try but what does Paul say? You win. <laughs> You're victorious. And so we stand firmly in you, in your perseverance and in your love. Lord, would you help us to be directed by you into the things that you would have for us? 
that, that each moment of our life would be done and lived in response to you, that everything that we try to do here would be because you are inspiring it in us. Lord, we don't want to run this church our way. We want to be led by you into the things that you have for us. So God, I thank you for what you're doing here. Thank you that you're at work in the world. Thank you that you're working in this church. Lord, increase our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.